You're a chart written using some D3. You're a graph. You've got some interactivity. You run through the data and set the axis min max right under the hood. Our vector graphics. Welcome to Tools Day. It's an analyst story. It's the host you love. And we're discussing D3 and all the things that we learned. We're talking about it now, honey. Welcome to Tools Day, a podcast <laughs> about tech tools, tips, and tricks on Tuesdays at 2. I'm your co host, Yuna. And I'm Chris. And today we're talking about D three JS. Um, it is a Cubs <laughs> episode, which kind stands. <laughs> it stands for Chris and Yuna build stuff, which means that we tried to uh, build some stuff with D three, and we're going to talk about our experience, uh, the tools that we used to learn, um, what we made, how we failed, how we conquered, you know, the whole spectrum <laughs> of issues and and rewards um but before, <laughs> rewards, we <get> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> before we get started uh i do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors datadog datadog is a software as a service based monitoring platform that provides developers and ops teams with a unified view of all of their systems apps and services you'll be a part of thousands of organizations who already rely on datadog to collect visualize and alert them of abnormalities there are over 200 turnkey integrations, including AWS, Postgres, Kubernetes, and Slack, all done out of the box with custom metrics to gain full stack observability with a unified view of all your systems, apps, and services. They just released a new log management service a couple of weeks ago now that integrates with the logging systems you already use. Other key features include real-time visibility from customizable dashboards, algorithmic alerts like anomaly detection, outlier detection, forecasting alerts, etc., end-to-end request tracing to visualize app performance, and real-time collaboration. Datadog is offering listeners a free trial, and as an added bonus for signing up and creating a dashboard, they'll send you a free t-shirt. That's for Tools Day listeners. So check out their log management service and start a free trial today at datadog.com slash toolsday to get your free t-shirt. Again, that is datadog.com slash toolsday spelled D-A-T-A-D-O-G dot com slash T-O-O-L-S-D-A-Y. Thank you, Datadog. All right. So, right. <laughs> let's get into it. So, for context, like when we were thinking about ideas to record, I was like, why not? Let's do a Cubs on D3. It'll be fun. It'll be easy. Not easy, but it'll be like a great learning experience. I think I had in my mind something different than what D3 actually is. Because um, you can create some simple charts with D3 if you want to. But, like, it's, I, I don't think I remember how powerful D3 actually is. I think that I also forgot how complex D3 is when we first went into it because I've built stuff with D3 before, but it was kind of more like, okay, outside of the box, like I want to build something. Um, yeah. And then this was kind of like 
oh my gosh, this isn't easier now. Like V4 is out. <laughs> it's not easier. I think it's actually one of the more complicated things. We've also been doing shows like our last show was on uh, React animation and transition libraries, which yeah. were like magic. They were just, they were auto magic. They worked really well out of the box. And D3 is not that. It gives you the tools, but it's like literally like, here's a hammer, figure out the rest. <laughs> I think one of the things that sometimes escapes front-end engineers and developers and like us is that D3 is a data science tool, uh, which is its own field, right? Mm -hmm. There is a field of data science, and there's a lot of complexities there. There's a lot of learning and, and knowledge there that aren't always immediately transferable to creating data visualizations. Like some things are. Like I know JavaScript really well, and so I understand some of the mechanics behind it, um, but there's still like this this level of knowledge that I just didn't have. So when we talk about animations, I know animations more or less, but like right. it's a different thing, different different world. Yeah, like data processing is a whole other thing. Like um, I know Nadia Bremer and uh, Shirley Wu, and they are incredible. In fact, almost all the resources I found either mention one of those two or like Shirley is teaching it. Like, yes. she, <laughs> like she's taught so many workshops on D3. Um, we'll link to all of these resources because I have a bunch, but they know how to look at data and visualize it and then figure out the connections. Like I remember watching Nadia just look at like this massive data set that she had already turned into a graph, which is like far beyond what I can do. Um, but then she like figured out how things can group together and how to colorize them in certain ways and like sizing. And there's so many design principles that have to do with how we can display data that are just, just one other aspect of this massive puzzle that is data visualization. Yes. So Chris, uh, what did you build? <laughs> so um, the first thing to build anything is that uh, you need a data set. And so I went to Kaggle, I think it's how you pronounce it, .com. Um, which has a bunch of public data sets organized by you know a variety of things. Um, I went for a small data set because I had no idea how it handled scaling. So I got a data set of death predictions in Game of Thrones. So when do you think somebody is going to die? Categorize. How do you get that data set? Like where does that even come from? Who puts that together? So they went and scraped a bunch of information from various wikia sites um, and some stuff in the book, and then they had a predictive model they built, and then they exported out in a CSV file. Um, and so I was trying to create a visualization to show kind of hierarchical, or kind of it, uh, what is the, uh, so if this person has a higher probability to die, what are their relationships more or less? Uh, I didn't get all the way there wow. because I found out that's much more complicated than, than Wow, that is a <laughs> impressive <laughs> challenge. Good thought. I've learned, I learned a lot through it. <laughs> Wait, can you send it to me? Is it somewhere live? Yeah, I'll, I'll send it. I'll send it. Uh, I'll, I'm actually still working on it, but I'll send it to you probably at the end, end of today or end of tomorrow, one of the two. I'm um, just so curious as to how far <laughs> you actually got. <laughs> but that was the idea. So I so before I began this, I was went through all these resources trying to figure out well, what is data science. Um, Elijah Meeks, who's actually a senior uh, visualization. Uh, engineer at Netflix um, has this great article called Fast and Slow. It's just a series he started like two weeks ago um, on what is data visualizations and there is um, different types of visualizations. So one is the fast visualization, which is you have it on a dashboard. People should comprehend it within like 30 seconds and understand what, what what's coming out of it. The other is the slow data viz, which is you know you're required to kind of click through and create something. And that was kind of what I was going for. 
Okay, that's cool. So that's like the interactive visualization that right. is deeper than what is surface. I went for the first kind, the uh, very surface, simple, like I wanted to just visualize something and maybe play with interaction and just make like a really nice presentation. Um, I remember back when I was learning D3, like three or four years ago, that they just had like a plug and play kind of system. Like you want to create a chart? All right, we'll make you a bar chart. You plug these things in. You want to make a scatter plot? Okay, great. Just give us your data. That is not how it is at all. <laughs> like that is not how it is. Um, so I basically had to relearn everything from the start. And a lot of this, I went through some of Shirley's tutorials and it's just building SVGs from scratch. Like that's yes. all, all you're doing. You're just creating either Canvas or SVG. I think SVG is more popular now. Yeah. Um, just like drawing them from data from scratch. Like there's no magic that D3 is putting in here. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to do a visualizer of monospace typefaces for like a little side project I'm doing and kind of show what the most popular typefaces are in Google Fonts and also Ooh. how many variants they have. So I was wondering like, oh, is it true that fonts with more variants are more popular? Turns out that's not true. <laughs> but <laughs> it was cool to like, so I used like the Google Fonts API and just pulled that data and then I ran through it to get the relevant data for me, um, which was just monospace typefaces. And it was kind of, it was really easy to use. It was a joy, the Google Fonts API. And um, then I just displayed it and the, the furthest I got was a bar chart with some labels and an axis. <laughs> Okay. I thought this is good enough for me. I, I, at least I have like some to, like things to share at this yeah. point. Also, it was like a busy week, you know. <laughs> so, we kept putting off this episode because we kept like starting. Well, at least for me, I kept starting this project, and then I was like, "This is a, a lot," <laughs> and then I kept putting it off. And whatever. Anyway, here we are. <laughs> well, I thought I'd be done by Friday, and then I was as I was working on, it, I was like, "I'm not done yet." The next day, I'm like, "I'm still not done." The next day, I'm still not done. Uh, and so, yeah, it's one of those things that gets more and more complicated as you go. I will say that D three V four, at least for my project. Um, came with a bunch of really cool pre-built charts you can build now um, out of the box. And so this was something that was new to me. Like um, D3 has this, so D3 V4, well, before I get into that, make sure you're in, the, you're in the correct version of D3 when you look at tutorials. There's a lot of V3 tutorials out there, which are not V4, uh, but V4 had a lot of tuning APIs. I found this great uh, slideshow that went through basically the entirety of uh, the V4 changes. It's by a woman named Irene Ross. She's the Boku principal data viz engineer. Um, and uh, so make sure you're on that. There's also a V5 of D3, which just came out, I think, last month, uh, which is Things mostly non-breaking. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's a non-breaking change. Only a few breaking changes, rather. Uh, and its major one is that they swapped from um, callback functions into promises. Um, yeah, maybe I just well. missed all those like pre-built resources. There's not <laughs> a ton of pre-built resources, but for, for some things like so, there's this package called D3 Hierarchical. Um, hierarchical? Hi. Is it a plugin or is it included? It's it's part of it. Part of it. So I mean, D3's big V4 changes that they made everything modular, um, and so there's one called D3 Hierarchy, uh, which comes with a couple different types of graphs um, that you can build. Um, it's still like well beyond me. So I put some data in there like, oh, something came out. Hooray. Um, but it meant nothing. So I'm still like learning. <laughs> but that you can like um, build some pack graphs and tree maps. Uh, there's a also, tree thing. I feel like with that, you have to massage your data to be what's expected for those. Correct. But yes. I mean, that's a whole other step too when you're processing data, like getting that in the correct format. 
I liked how my JSON looked, so I didn't want to like. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Um, um, so yeah, tell me what you learned. I have like a ton of videos and resources and like websites that I discovered when I was yes. going through this process. Yes. Um, um, so in the beginning I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a JavaScript developer who works in React all day. Let's just use React in D3. That's what um, I thought too. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I, I use React at work now. Like I feel really comfortable with it. Why not just throw some D3 in there? <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of my first starting point. I was like, yeah, yes, this will be great. Uh, and uh, it was okay, uh, but I made a bunch of mistakes, and then I finally Googled D3 and React, and then Shirley Wu's talks come, came up, and she's like, hey, by the way, do not manage Domino's with both D3 and React. And I was like, oh, that makes yeah. so much sense. I ended up not using <laughs> React at all. Uh, yes, she has this great kind of like a thing saying, if you are, only if you're managing like um, like state of the component, or you want to componentize your graphs, use React. Otherwise, just use d3 and but she had a great example in there of um, an app that she built that was like a, a expenses tracker that she then yeah. was using to create visualization so data visualizations like we kind of talked about in terms of showing data like a graph for yeah. content which is kind of like what you'd use for editorial purposes etc but you can also use them within applications like dashboards for like your electricity usage or anything like that. Correct. Yeah. So I was going for a storytelling version versus an application UI thing. Um, and so if you're doing a storytelling post, I think not using React is probably the best way to go. But if you're going for like a, hey, I need to integrate data viz into my production application or whatever thing, it, it makes sense to integrate the two. Agree. Um, but um, I, I had a little bit of a mental trip over kind of the... Um, general pattern we're using D3. So with D3, you kind of say the dot data thing first to update your data. And then there's this enter and exit concept. So enter creates nodes, exit delete node, deletes nodes. And for some reason, that took me some time to wrap my mind on, oh yeah, enter creates, ed exit deletes, and how you kind of do updates with that. Um, but um, that was kind of something that tripped me up for a bit. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I think it kind of makes sense. <laughs> it it, make, it makes sense, but like I, I, I just, I feel like I have, I, I have stopped working directly with DOM nodes for a while. Um, like I loop for data, I create them, and then I inject them in React. Um, and so moving my mind back to like, hey, I'm going to create some DOM elements um, just took me a hot second. Yeah. I was having some annoyances because whenever you're applying styles to any of the components, you have to use SVG styles, yes. which are very limited. Um, and a way around that is if you set up your entire SVG before, like if you have rect and you can give them classes like in your body, instead of having just one SVG element with an ID that you're uh, just building everything inside of, um, that's one way to kind of go around the styling constraints. But it's really hard to know ahead of time how many DOM nodes you're going to need. So I think most of the time people just have like, here's my SVG element then apply D3 to all of it. Um, I wanted to do a ton of styling that was just like not possible. So that was annoying. I had some weirdness with the axes because you have to like transform them a little bit so that they look correctly placed on the graph, but yeah. I just couldn't get it correctly placed. It just like was messing up. Um, but yeah, my project wasn't too complex. I remember like looking at some of the interaction type things, um, but 
for that, I kind of wanted to have already set up React and then have used State to sort of yeah. manage what what part of the graph you're looking at, like what kind of data set, how it's being transformed, um, what yeah. that would be. I will say that some of my CSS and JS mentality uh, I've been doing recently did help me with the style. It's kind of this mindset, right? And say so when you get into D3 and styling, like, like hey, I'm going to style this node right here. It's the same kind of um, flow uh, as if you were creating like styled components, kind of. I don't uh, like CSS and JS. We can, okay. we can like discuss. Okay. Anyway, I am, <laughs> I am not against using CSS with JavaScript to enhance it, like CSS modules. Yes. But I don't like mixing my styling with my markup in the same file. I just think it looks bad. Different topic. We'll, do, we'll talk Different about that topic for another day. We should do a show on that. Hot, hot drama with Chris New. This is how we started the podcast. We would just like debate things like this. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, I will say that something that helped me out a lot when I was going through and, and working with this was that I found two different resources, both created by uh, MDO Stack, um, who's created over D3. I think, uh, or I think both created. One is Blocks, uh, BL. Yes, I want to talk uh, about that next. Yes, which is like a code pen for D3. And the other one is called Observables, which is, I think, his new version of Blocks, more or less, um, which is basically you can write, uh, it's supposed to be like a, a like a blog post, but that you can interject like data into it. And it's really gorgeous. A lot of great examples of people, of the, of data visualizations, and you can kind of see how they built it. So, and if you're trying to figure out, hey, what does d3.color do? Um, it's really easy to kind of play around with it in that context. Oh, cool. I didn't know about observables, but along with blocks, there's a website called Block Builder, um, and they're pretty intertwined. I don't know why they're two different websites, but Block Builder is uh, what lets you search through all the blocks unless you then sort of fork them and build them on blocks. It's a different website. It's blockbuilder.org instead of bl.ocks.org. Um, that's blocks. <laughs> we'll have all the links in our show notes. Yeah, they're spelled kind of funny. Um, but I hadn't played with observables. Those three resources, I guess, are all by the same person. And they're super, super helpful. Like the D3 community is massive. And it's really cool. They seem to be sharing a ton of stuff. It's also interesting to see that like every community has sort of their own code, code editor. <laughs> <laughs> code pens for CSS. There's JS Fiddle. That was like, wasn't that before CodePen? Yeah, JS Fiddle. Uh, I actually use... Um, Sandbox.io more than CodePen now. Uh, and which glitch. Is, yeah. But, um, yeah, so Blocks is great. Um, I, I do, one thing I really like about observables um, is that they put it in context of something they're trying to tell you. Um, so it's like, hey, you know, here's some, here's some weather, weather patterns or here's a, um, some sort of visualization on bee swarms. And, um, he has basically like a paragraph describing it. There's like it's it's very it's a very very pretty site, more or less. That's very uh, cool. I like want to check it out right now, yeah. but I don't want the internet to go down, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. Um, I don't have a ton more to talk about. That's not like go check out someone else's resource. <laughs> I want to say that um, Shirley Wu has some really great workshops out there. Um, there's one on front-end masters, but there's also a free version of that on YouTube from JSConf Singapore in January. So it's a, like a shortened version of the workshop. But if you want to get into D3 and customizing D3, she goes through um, how paths work. She kind of like made this project where she made um, 
flowers based on data from movies. Oh, I um, love it. Film flowers is a really beautiful project, and she kind of goes through how she built it, so you can kind of understand how D3 integrates with SVG and sort of builds your own. Um, again, like we mentioned earlier, she has a talk about React with D3. Um, Visual Cinnamon, that's Nadia's website, has like all these beautiful, beautiful examples. They also did a project together where they did a different data visualization a month. Like, just, I'm like such a fangirl of these people. They're so talented. There's a lot of really great, um, like, people in the D3 community out there that you can follow. Um, do you have some more to shout out? Chris? Yeah, so I've been um, beyond, so surely we was, tutorials were my main source of information, but I also, um, Last, I think two weeks ago, CSS Strix did a t show with Elijah Meeks and some other guy. I cannot remember uh, his name. So, we'll so, find so, it. so sorry for that guy, uh, which was a great listen to. Um, Elijah Meeks also has a book out. He had one many years ago, but he updated recently for the V4 API. It's called um, D3 in Action. Um, I kind of I was skimming through it and I'm probably going to pick it up and buy it. Uh, I haven't bought a actual coding book in wow. a long time um but uh it seems just complicated enough <laughs> to require it um Elijah Mix also has a not a competing d3 thing but something for more simple components called semiotic um that you can check out as well semiotic what is Semi that um it's another visualization live framework um and he has this really great idea of how, how to break down the different components of visualizations into different models. And so it's another D3 like things, but really aimed around um, a couple of different types of types of diagrams. Um, so something, something to check out. Cool. Um, definitely. If you want to get started with D3, go to block builder and blocks um, block builder. You like just click search and you'll find a ton of stuff. You could basically um, search, also lets you uh, sort, like sort by version and by topic. Like what mm. are you looking for? Um, yeah. So that's really really helpful for beginners. Like that's a super super helpful search. Um, check out Observable. Seems like that's super cool and helpful. We'll have all of these links in the show notes. Like this is really a thing that you just kind of have to get your hands dirty and realize that you're in over your head, <laughs> <laughs> like we did. Um. Yeah, any other notes for our audience this week? Um, I have a quick shout out to a different tool that I just found two weeks ago that I'm going to start playing around with. It's called Proton Native. Um, and it is a competitor, I guess, to Electron. Um, so What's the difference? So yeah, so um, Electron lets you build native desktop applications more or less by running, wrapping Node.js and you run your own little browser instance and then all your code's there. Um, Proton Native um, is a almost an extension of React Native, um, where you can still use your existing React libraries, um, but you build like a native package at the very end. Um, so you don't have the bloat of having to make your own browser instance, all the Node stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. I just I just found it recently. I'm still checking it out, but uh, I think it's something. Should we to do keep a Cubs on. on Proton? I have an idea uh, for a desktop app that I'm like wanting to build. Well, then absolutely we should. Uh, I love how we teased not one but two upcoming shows that, that we haven't even planned or thought about, but potential shows um, in this episode. Um. So, 
As we wrap up, I want to shout out to Webflow for being our patrons on Patreon. You can support us on Patreon also as individual uh, patrons. So that's patreon.com slash toolsday. Also, shout out to our sponsor, Datadog, who is offering listeners a free trial and a free t-shirt for signing up. So again, check out their new log management service and go to datadog.com slash toolsday to set up your free dashboard and get your free t-shirt for you listeners. Um, If you haven't already, please like and subscribe, share this show with your friends, um, give us some ratings. You know, if you rate us highly, then we'll show up more in searches, review, our podcast if you enjoy it. Um, And other than that, we'll catch you next time.